The Great Commission is not just evangelism. As important as that is, the Great Commission implies an ongoing relationship. The Apostle Paul believed that. For example, the churches in in the region of Galatia, he visited a couple of times on his first missionary journey, and again on his second, and again on his third. Well, the church at Corinth was no exception. Multiple visits, multiple letters across multiple years. We just finished 2 Corinthians. We're going to tell the rest of the story of Paul's relationship to the church at Corinth today on Beyond the Notes. At least three times Paul visited Corinth, at least three letters that he wrote. And after the the second letter, We have a little bit of documentation about the third visit. Actually, the third letter. I tend to get that crossed up in my head because our book of 2 Corinthians is actually the third letter he wrote. Um, Before I get to the part of Paul's relationship with the church at Corinth that comes after 2 Corinthians, let me do a little bit of review. And, and, And to make this simple... His, his three visits to the church at Corinth align with three different chapters in the book of Acts. He founds the church at Corinth in Acts 18. Soon after the Jerusalem Council of AD 50, so probably about AD 50, late 50 to early 51, he visits Corinth. He's already gone to northern Greece to the region that is the Roman province of Macedonia, the principal city, a principal city of which was Philippi. He has sailed down the coast and been in Athens for a brief season, and then he has crossed over to Corinth. And in Acts 18, he founds the church at Corinth and spends about a year and a half there. He then leaves Corinth, eventually soon making it to Ephesus. He's in Ephesus for about two years. While he's in Ephesus, early during his time there, fairly soon after leaving the church at Corinth that first time, he writes 1 Corinthians from Ephesus early in his time there. That letter is part of a, uh, evidently part of an ongoing dialogue with the church at Corinth regarding some, well, pretty profound problems in the church. And he offers some specific solutions, and he alludes to the fact in 1 Corinthians 4.19, and then later in 16, verses 5 through 8, that he is planning a soon return visit to Corinth. We don't know just when he made that visit. He refers to it in 2 Corinthians 2, verse 1. Looking back, he refers to it as the painful visit. In a, at an unspecified moment in the the course of his two years at Ephesus in Acts 19, he makes that second visit, founds the church in Acts 18, visits the church on the painful visit sometime in the unfolding of Acts 19. Also during that same time, he writes a letter, probably extraordinarily personal. He calls it the painful letter. We don't have that letter. It would be 2 Corinthians if we had it, and our 2 Corinthians, I suppose, would be 3 Corinthians, but God the Holy Spirit kept what he wanted us to have and didn't keep what he didn't want us to have. So both the, uh, the second visit and the um, unknown second letter, unkept second letter, happened during Paul's two-year ministry at Ephesus. 
toward the end of his time in Ephesus, he is he has begun to resolve to to revisit Corinth and deal with some things. He sends Titus to Corinth. Titus is to come back and report to Paul. Paul, eager to meet with Titus, crosses over into, uh, again, the region of Macedonia, specifically probably Philippi, and there writes 2 Corinthians, having Titus having come back and met him there. In the book of 2 Corinthians, Paul refers to a third visit that is planned. He refers to it in chapter 13, verse 1, as well as, as up in chapter 12. That third visit is after 2 Corinthians. And we have evidence of that in Acts chapter 20. At the end of the uh, chapter 19 of Acts, we're still, the dust is settling from the riot in Ephesus that's occurred near the end of Paul's two years in Ephesus. And so Acts chapter 20, verse 1, after the uproar ceased, what uproar? The Ephesian riot. Paul sent for the disciples, and after encouraging them, he said farewell and departed for Macedonia, that is northern Greece, including Philippi. And it is from there during that moment in Acts chapter 20, verse 1, that Paul writes what we have as the book of 2 Corinthians, in which he says, I am soon coming south back down to Corinth. And when he had gone through, this is Acts 20, verse 2, and when he had gone through those regions and had given them much encouragement, he came to Greece. Now, today, if you look at a world map, the nation of Greece would include the region that Paul has called Macedonia, which is northern Greece. It's the uh, Roman Empire province of Macedonia, and it's pretty much all of northern Greece. Only in the, I think, the 20th century was there carved out of northern Greece a new nation called North Macedonia. Don't confuse that with the Roman province of Macedonia, which is northern Greece. In chapter 20, verse 2 of Acts, when it says he came to Greece, that is as differentiated from Macedonia in the previous verse. By the way, if you've got a Bible open in front of you, this is a lot less confusion, confusing than I'm making it. Paul's visit to Greece in 20, verse 2, is a visit to the Greek province of Achaia. Remember, Macedonia is northern Greece. Achaia is southern Greece. When he just says Greece, having just said Macedonia, he means Achaia. And the principal city of Achaia, Corinth. So it's in 20 verse 2, he came to Greece. Now verse 3, there he spent three months. So Paul's third visit to Corinth is this visit, a three-month visit. Having written and sent 2 Corinthians, he then kind of follows his letter down to Corinth and stays there for three months. But when a plot was made against him by the Jews there in Corinth, as he was about to set sail for Syria, back to his missionary sending church, which was the church of Antioch in Syria for all three of his missionary journeys, he decided to return through Macedonia. He decided instead to turn north rather than fall into whatever this plot was. So in summary... After 2 Corinthians is written from Philippi, there is a three-month visit down to Corinth, which terminates with a plot to kill Paul. Perhaps the most uh, unexpected thing to me in that plot to kill Paul, unexpected but not unexpected, 
In the course of ministry in Corinth and in the course of interacting with the Corinthian church, Paul has dealt with all manner of, of sins in the church, the whole catalog of 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. Also, the gospel in Corinth had set itself in opposition to the very powerful cult of Apollo. The temple of Apollo was one of ancient Corinth's most prominent structures. By the way, if you visit archaeological Corinth, it remains the case that the most single prominent feature in all of archaeological Corinth today uh, is the ruins, the remnant of the temple of Apollo. It's breathtakingly remarkable. Also, huge in Corinth was the temple of uh, Aphrodite, the the, uh, ritual prostitution worship that defined much of the vileness of lost Corinthian culture. Paul's gospel ministry there had opposed, obviously, the worship of Apollo. It certainly had opposed the, the pornographic worship of Aphrodite. But when it came time to plot to kill him, it wasn't the Apollo worshipers and it wasn't the Aphrodite worshipers. It wasn't even the Christians that Paul had rebuked. It was the jealous Jews, the most persistent enemies of Paul's evangelistic outreach. They had been with him since the first missionary journey all the way back in Acts 13 and 14, dogging his steps and seeking to undercut the gospel. They had been the object of the corrective uh, clearing up of things at the Jerusalem Council in Acts 15. And here again, they show up. What's the takeaway from that? Well, um, the enemies of the cross have always been those who would claim religious high ground based on their behavior. In Paul's case, it was the Judaizers. We're just a bit more righteous than you are. Therefore, we would oppose you to the death. The enemy of the gospel of grace, the most persistent enemy of the gospel of grace. Now, there are many who have yet to embrace the gospel of grace, to be sure. But the enemy of the gospel of grace, the one that will most reliably oppose it, is the very religious person whose self-righteousness is confronted and undercut by the basic truths of the gospel. They're the ones to watch out for. They are the ones here that oppose Paul to the death. And remember, he had made plenty of enemies in Corinth among the the pagans of, of Corinth that were very, very enamored with their false gods. But it was the Jews, the ones who held that they were righteous by keeping the law, claimed the high ground of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who would oppose him to his death if they could get away with it. With that, what we know about Paul's relationship with the church at Corinth comes to an end. Three letters, three visits, and a long arc of ongoing discipleship and care in keeping with the Great Commission. He cared about the church. He discipled people in the church. He saw that there were people baptized in the church And thus concludes the story, begun in Acts 18, here in the first paragraph of Acts 20. Hey, watch out for people whose good behavior means they love God more than you do. They'll probably plot to take your life, if Paul is any indication, and cling to and share the gospel of grace, even if it costs you. 
Hey, by now, I hope that you have liked and subscribed to this podcast and the other podcasts uh, available here at McGregor, the other programs on our podcast channel. There's a lot of good stuff being produced here. I hope it's a blessing to you. I certainly pray that God will bless you this week, and we'll see you next week on Beyond the Notes. Thank you.